Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. Welcome to this episode of Research Roundup. Our guest today is Dr Alison Beauchamp. Alison is a Senior Research Fellow in the Department of Rural Health at Monash University in Victoria. Alison is the lead author on a new publication in PLOS One titled The Impact of Translated Reminder Letters and Phone Calls on Mammography Screening Booking Rates to Randomised Control Trials. Thank you for joining us, Alison. Thank you. So, Alison, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you moved into this space looking at cancer, cold communities and, and health inequalities? So, um, my background is actually as a registered nurse, but I did my PhD in social inequalities in cardiovascular disease and found from that study that there was a lot of health inequalities in Australia and, and worldwide. And although there was a lot of description, and, you know, studies saying we have these inequalities and what can we do about them? There wasn't a lot of work looking at actual sort of interventions or strategies to, to address them. So that's when I kind of started looking at work in the health literacy space. And we were lucky enough to get a, a large grant from the Australian Research Council uh, at Deakin University that was looking at how you could develop interventions to address health literacy barriers that were often also related to you know, socioeconomic inequalities and cultural and linguistic diversity. So that was the start of the Ophelia study, which actually underpins this study that we're about to talk about. So I've been working in that space now for about seven or eight years. It's really around helping health services and community members to co-design interventions that address health literacy barriers. We're very interested at PC4, particularly around co-creation and engaging with consumers in research. It's a really important space to be pushing forward. And I just noticed then that you have a wonderful accent as well. Where are you originally from? Uh, originally from the UK. Well, I've been over here for quite a few years now, but I do tend to go back quite a lot. So that's why you all still got the accent. <laughs> and the paper today is a collaboration with Breast Green. How did that come about? This study was uh, initially, yes, definitely a collaboration with Breast Green Victoria and also the Victorian Department of Health and Human Services, so the underscreened program. And they'd identified that there were groups of women in Victoria who were underscreened and they sort of heard about the Ophelia approach and thought that it might be something useful to kind of identify the health literacy needs and then think about strategies to, to address them. And so talking about that and that this paper is about underscreen groups, in particular you were looking at those from a cold background, what does the cold community look like in Victoria and how did you decide what groups you wanted to target? So as you probably know, we're, Victoria is one of the most culturally diverse states in Australia and I think about half of Victorians were either born overseas or, or have at least one parent born overseas and there's something like 260 languages spoken in Victoria and while this is a great asset to our state there are members of some cold or culturally and linguistically diverse communities who really don't have equal access to health information and services and in relation to breast screening it's free to women aged 50 to 74 as, as you know in Australia but there's a lot of complex barriers to attendance and, and often these can be sort of heightened in, in vulnerable population groups who may have additional cultural challenges. Although I will say before I go on that actually this doesn't apply to all, all cold communities and there are some communities in Victoria who actually have higher screening rates than the 
state average. But and there's also been some great initiatives that, that have increased screening rates among coal women over time. But at the time we did this study, the underscreen program at the Department of Health had identified that the northwest region of Melbourne was a, a priority region. And this was because although the overall rates in the region were similar to the rest of the state, there were pockets or groups or sub sort of regions where there were lower rates of screening. And so they wanted to sort of initiate the overall bigger picture Ophelia study, which we'll probably talk about later, with the objectives of increasing participation amongst um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and culturally and linguistically diverse groups. So in this case, it was Arabic and Italian women. I did want to actually touch on the Ophelia study that you, you mentioned in the paper as it's a co-design you know, process with the community. So could you maybe give us a little bit of background about that Ophelia breast screen study and maybe any lessons that you learnt through that co-design process? So Ophelia um, actually stands for Optimising Health Literacy and Access and this is a an approach that was developed at Deakin University about five or six years ago, which is really around trying to use health literacy or addressing health literacy barriers to um, access and uptake of services. And, and just to sort of give context about health literacy, it's actually much more than just the ability to read health information. It's really all the skills and resources that, that people need to engage with information and services and, and, and make decisions about health. And there's a lot of evidence now that shows that lower health literacy is a significant barrier to, um, to use of services and to health outcomes. Although there's not actually a lot of information about this in the context of breast screening. The Ophelia Breast Screen Study was, was, as we said before, a partnership between DHSS, Deakin University and Breast Screen Victoria. And we were looking at addressing health literacy barriers to screening amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and Arabic and Italian women in Northwest Melbourne. And the actual process of Ophelia is one of co-design. So you use co-design to develop health literacy interventions and you do this by initially undertaking a really comprehensive needs assessment. You look at people's health literacy and any other barriers to whatever your health issue is to be addressed. So in this case, it was under screening for, um, for breast cancer screening. And so for the study, we did um, surveys, interviews, focus groups and yarning circles with a wide range of people from community groups and healthcare workers and, and service users in northwest Melbourne. So that was over 500 participants. And then we worked with these groups in sort of small workshops to identify interventions that might help to reduce some of the health literacy barriers that we found in that needs assessment. So, And then from that needs assessment, we actually had identified five interventions that were developed and tested over about a nine-month period, including this particular trial. And then just you were asking about I suppose lessons learned during the co-design process. Look, I, I think from my experience, it just really works in intervention development and that involving, you know, consumers and clinicians and all the end users really at various stages of design and testing or evaluation. It just means that you're much more likely to end up with something that's really fit for purpose. And I think, you know, if you've got a proper needs assessment that's conducted with, with a sort of really widespread, but also a structured consultation process, it's going to really inform your next stages. I don't think I'll be able to develop an intervention now that didn't have some elements of co-design because otherwise how do you know it's going to work? You know? Yeah, you're spot on. You're right. Can I ask then, you obviously had very successful consultation with community members to get them on board and that's not always easy. I suppose maybe it depends on the topic that you're 
looking to design an, an intervention in. But what did you really do to get those people on board? It was very much sort of on the ground. We, we attended a lot of community days and community events over um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women. We go to things like Sisters Day Out. For the Arabic women, we would go to um, festivals. It, it was very much, and also a lot of um, sort of word of mouth and snowballing around recruitment. We might go to a festival or an event, there would have been four or five of us just with iPads to collect survey data and um, you know consent forms to see if people were interested in being interviewed and so on. Um, we also went to community groups, so a lot of, say, the Italian clubs or the, the Arabic community groups that the Victorian Council of Social Services was, was hugely supportive for this. So it was very multi-pronged. Social media was also a great asset. Multi-pronged approach took quite some time but I feel sort of quite confident that we managed to meet a lot of community members who were, you know, relevant of this, this matter to them. And so, as you mentioned before, that this study was in fact one of the interventions that was designed through the Ophelia Project. And this paper really is about that idea of developing more culturally relevant reminder letters and phone calls. I was just wondering if there were any differences in what was culturally relevant between the different groups that you were developing resources for. So what we did in the study, there were we sent routine recall and reminder letters to, to women who were due for their two yearly screen, and these were translated into Italian and Arabic. But and also actually, each had a letter in English in case somebody did need to read the and translate the letter for for the recipient. But for the translated version, the language was simplified. It just had sort of fairly brief information about the reason for screening, how to book a screen, and then the contact details for breastfeeding Victoria. So this. It's different from the routine reminder letter in English, which often has statistics about risk of breast cancer and so on. But the letters also included a quote and a photo of either an Italian or an Arabic GP, because that's what women in the focus groups told us. So we ran, you know, Arab focus groups say with Arabic women, and they said that that would be something that would just get them to read the letter or just get them to think about it a little bit more. And similarly for Italian women. So that was sort of the main difference between the two different cultural groups, not a lot of difference in the actual content, I suppose, but each of them, as I say, had a quote and a photo of a a GP. So Alison, how effective was the intervention? So that particular intervention, so the letters, um, interestingly, was there was no difference between women receiving the, the translated letters and women receiving letters in English. So we sent to... 322 Arabic women and 710 Italian women were randomised into either receiving the translated letter or just the English letter. And there was no difference. We're not entirely sure why that was. You know, routine reminder letters are shown in other studies to be quite effective at increasing uptake of screening, but actually there's not a lot of evidence around their effectiveness in culturally diverse groups. So, you know, maybe even more specific cultural targeting or cultural variation of the content is is warranted. And what did you see with the phone calls? So the phone calls, we did see a big difference in women receiving a call in their preferred language compared to receiving no phone calls. So I can talk about that limitation in a second. But so these were translated phone calls. So when a woman is um, what Breastfeeding Victoria calls a lapsed screener, so they're more than 27 months since their last screen, um, they will occasionally receive a phone call in English to say, do you want to sort of come in? Can we help you make a booking? That sort of thing. So the script for those phone calls was translated into Italian and Arabic. And then we had two bilingual workers, one for each language, um, and they were trained in the process of phoning women in their preferred language 
and then they made these calls. And then if a woman changed the language to English during the call, then the operator always switched. But and and the operator was also able to make a booking. So all it was was translating the the outbound call script. But the intervention actually was conducted in 80 Arabic and 115 Italian women. And we saw a significant increase in booking rates in both groups. So amongst Arabic women who received the phone call in language, they were nearly 12 times, 11.6 times more likely to make a booking than women who received no phone call. Um, then Italian women were over 10 times more likely to book. And, you know, again, we, we're not really sure, I guess, why this intervention worked so well. It may well just be that having a phone call that's in your preferred language is something that stops you from hanging up because it's, it's essentially a cold call. You know, there's evidence from other studies about the effectiveness of reminder phone calls, but but um, in, in, in culturally diverse groups, there's only a little bit of evidence about whether it's the phone call or the cultural aspects that makes that difference. Mm. But, you know, Breast Queen's going to continue using that strategy because they did see it to be highly effective and they're going to roll it out in other language groups as well. So, Alison, we always like to finish the episode with the take-home message. What is that one thing you would really like our listeners to take away from this episode and your paper? So, look, at, to me, you know, I've been working in health literacy for a while now, and I would really like listeners to consider the importance of health literacy when they're trying to understand why maybe a service or a program isn't widely used or isn't accessed by people or doesn't seem to be that effective. And the other one is really just about the importance, I think, of tailoring what we do to the diverse needs of people who, who use our health services and also the diverse needs of people who deliver them. And I think you can only do that through things like co-design if you, if you work with and listen to those people. So what will you be working on next in this space then? So the sort of direction I've started going uh, slightly is around um, consumer engagement in something called Teachback, which is actually a, a, a simple communication method where um, in a patient or a patient and clinician communication, the clinician asks the patient just to explain back to them what they've just been told. So it's just a way of checking understanding. But um, and we've developed some, some great online training around this, but the consumers have actually said to us that we want to be the ones to initiate this. So we've just received some funding to develop some, some sort of training and educational resources to support consumers to be able to to have the confidence and the skills to be able to go into a, um, a consultation and say, I just want to check that I've got what you've said. Did you say this or did you say that? So, yeah, that's sort of the next big thing for me at the moment. Wonderful. Good luck. And thank you very much for your time today. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg and there's also our website which is pc4tg.com.au.